Hello, it's Jay here, and welcome back to the Over Manga Cast. This month is No Read November, and you know what that means. On this episode of the Over Manga Cast, that time we woke up in a podcast and had to explain manga, our heated adventures over analyzing manga that we find interesting. We watched the smash hit of 1995, Fist of the North Star. Thumbs down in the chat if you were even alive in this decade. But anyway, have a listen. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Overmanga Cast and No Read November. My name is Sam, and as always, here at the top of the show, we talk about what our familiarity with the franchise we uh, watched this week is. For me, Fist of the North Star, um, all I know is memes. I know Amaiwomo Shindaru, I know uh, You Call Throwing Dynamite a Martial Art, and that's about it. Jacob, how about you? Uh, I only know the uh, Omaiwomo Shindaru scene, though I have watched the whole scene start to finish because that has uh, been uploaded on YouTube because the series is that old. I know that JoJo's in particular uh, very heavily satirizes Fist of the North Star because it was the big shonen before uh, JoJo's and Dragon Ball took over the shonen world and have been the thing people have been cribbing from ever since. So, by association? (laughs) Matt, how about you? Um, I only know about Fist of the North Star because uh, early on in the podcast, someone recommended we read the first couple of volumes when they got re-released. And I looked into it, and I thought they were too expensive to want to deal with at the time. So (laughs) I said I'd come back to it later when they went on sale, and now we're here. (laughs) And Jay. I probably have the least exposure to Fist of the North Star, just because I've only heard of of the memes and source material, but at no point did I ever make the effort to engage with the source material at any point until now. And I feel like this might be the first movie we've watched for No Read November where it's an active detriment to not know what the hell is going on already. (laughs) Because um, this movie is plotted out in a very strange way. Uh, We start out in Medias Rays with our boy Kenshiro wandering the wastelands, having random flashbacks until we have the one flashback that explains everything 45 minutes in. But we're getting ahead of ourselves. Much like this movie. Yes. Uh, Kenshiro, um, (laughs) who has a very square jaw. (laughs) Most of the characters have an extraordinarily square jaw. If you've ever seen any 80s action flick or watched Best of the Worst on YouTube, you know the caricature we're talking about. (laughs) And everyone has sky blue eyes. It's crazy. (laughs) Uh, Even the characters that don't normally have sky blue eyes will uh, briefly become the Kwisatz Haderach and gain blue eyes for a random scene where they have superpowers for no reason. Uh, We'll get to that. Yes, but uh, we're in an irradiated nuclear wasteland where Kenshiro is wandering about, and this is intercut both with the flashbacks to, I believe, his father's death, I think that doesn't the movie start off with his father's mm, death? Yeah. They like don't that's the first thing they show, and then there's a very, very long white text on a black background title sequence. Yeah, Master Ryuken, which is listed in the credits and otherwise my, not named as maybe. far as I recall. My my main problem with this movie, I'm gonna say right now, um 
they did not set the voice clips to be above the background music in a lot of it. So some people just kind of mumble. Yeah, it's especially bad in the opening, like, expository dump when they're panning over various uh, miniature sets of shattered urban landscape. They are extremely obviously miniatures, though they are, to be fair, good miniatures. Um, And I mean, like, I think one of the best examples of this movie, like, it's weird because it's like you can parse what's going on in time with the information that they give you. But so much of it is you're kind of expected to figure it out for yourself when, quite frankly, everyone's so mumbly and there's so little there's so little character and information given again until a 45 minute in flashback sequence of why we should care about anybody it's hard to justify paying close enough attention to notice things for example the idea that there was like a a world war three nuclear war um that uh is like the reason why it's post-apocalyptic world war three never gets mentioned and the closest to a radiation that we ever get is rad rain which it's so mumbly you can barely hear that they say rad rain uh, we thought it was bad rain <laughs> we heard bad rain but i you know it's like uh i i it's like was it rad rain or bad rain we we had to rewind and figure it out and it's like speak up and make <laughs> us care about things well the problem is when you get down to brass tacks the actual plot of the movie is so simple that if they didn't have the flashback that tells you the backstory midway through it would just be front loaded with all the plot and then kenshiro would just be going around murdering people for the rest of the movie which would have been preferable now yeah. that i've said that out loud yeah, I was yeah. Gonna say, yeah it sounds like a much better movie i actually have a clue as somebody who has the least exposure to this entire franchise what i was watching because my frustration throughout the series was why should i care about these people what is their primary motivation what is being accomplished because it just looks Yep. It's, we have Kenshiro fighting some random bandits. Uh, d- he does the Omaiwamo Shinderu, except he is a white guy from SoCal, so you are already dead. And he'll randomly sound British or Australian or... Depending I, on the I think he's Australian and his accent was speaking through. through. Yeah. So Which is even more confusing because it's like, dude, own your accent. Also... What are... What are you? This movie seems to be built around the concept of him doing the you're already dead move because he does that twice. And both times it looks terrible because it's him doing pressure points. But it's clear no one in this movie knew how you actually do pressure points. Also, you can't actually do pressure points. So it's just a whole bunch of like slapping his chest. Flailing around wildly in fast forward. And the first time it happens, the guy even makes a joke about like, what? on earth was that that was weird are you gonna tickle me to death you are already dead which to be fair is like like the dialogue is very close i will say the dialogue of the meme scene because that's the meme scene that's the thing that you've heard of fist of the north star for but like the dialogue is really good and it's just a stupid complaint here but i can't help but point out he didn't do the nanny <laughs> the reason why it's a meme it's the nanny at the end that made it famous what <laughs> which what? like they don't even because like obviously it would be what in english but like they don't even try to do the best part of that scene 
No, because they've got a special effect for the heads exploding that they cut don't away. do the first two times. That it they cut away, away from. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, it shows the guy's head going... Like, it's literally like they're wearing a bald cap and are inflating it with, like, balloons underneath or something. It's it's weird. <laughs> yep. And during all of this, we are also interspersed with scenes from uh, Paradise Valley, a uh, town of uh, wasteland survivors who have that most precious commodity of all, water. And then there's a, a a boy and a girl, and apparently they are siblings, and I think they're supposed to be the precocious youths that we care about. Uh, they're, they're not revealed to be siblings until like 50 or 60 minutes into the movie, at which point we all went, they're siblings? I, I'm assuming it must be adopted on the streets together, because it's not like they even cast them to look similar in like any way uh and fun fact the uh the older brother is dante bosco yes that dante bosco we looked it up <laughs> prince zuko himself <laughs> he needs to get his honor back from being in this terrible movie though to be fair he was one of the better parts of this movie i, I kind of want to buy a vhs of this movie and then take it to an anime convention to get it signed by Dante <laughs> yeah. I assume he might want to pretend he wasn't in this movie. <laughs> I, I mean, I just watched it and I want to pretend I wasn't watching the movie. <laughs> so, <Fair>. I understand. <laughs> there's also this weird thing in the town where there is, there's like several adults who are all like, Life is hard. There's danger out there. Light and darkness are not in balance. We have to prepare for the coming battle? Question mark? Because apparently uh, one of the things that is mumble-exposited is that there are two martial arts schools, the School of the North Star and the School of the Southern Cross. And they were supposed to be, like... I guess the balancing force in this post-apocalyptic world. They must never fight. E the, the masters of each school must never fight each other because it would cause too much destruction. Yeah. Or something. Yeah. So, um, but the Southern Cross has become this like totalitarian dictatorship, uh, militaristically expanding with their goons. This is, this is one of those cases where it's like, if you're willing to pay close attention, you can figure out some things, but we cut away to the Southern Cross, like... Headquarters. Headquarters. With main bad guy, Master Shin. With main bad guy, main bad guy, because he doesn't get named for the first, like, five or six scenes he's in. <laughs> and also... Uh, he looks surprisingly like Kenshiro. Yeah, he looks he looks weirdly like the guy who plays Kenshiro. It's, we, we weren't 100% sure they were different people at Wh first. Which, since I've not read Fist of the North Star... Also, they might have changed a bunch of stuff I'm not aware of. Are they brothers? Oh, Fist no. of the North Star fans. Yeah, let us know. The other bit, which is, like, it's so frustrating. There is nondescript love interest character TM over here who's doing a sad, and that's her entire character for 99% of the movie. And it's like, you can... But like, hey, she's got magic beans. She, she's got some beans. Oh my god, the magic beans. Don't matter don't matter at all um but like it's 
I, like, it was made in 1995, but it is functionally an 80s action movie. So if you're familiar with 80s action movies, it's pretty obvious, oh, that's going to be the main character's love interest stolen by the main villain. Okay, like, fine. But, like, the movie does nothing to explain that itself. It just assumes you're going to know that, which is annoying. Until halfway through, when it shows you the backstory that explains that Julia, my fiancé, Kenshiro, no! I'm being kidnapped and you're being murdered! Ah! But that's, that's, again, 45 minutes into this hour-and-a-half-long movie, so... Yeah. So if you've made it this far, it's a big aha moment of, wow, I wish I had figured this out within the past 15 minutes. <laughs> but regardless, Kenjiro fought some bandits and now he's in Paradise Valley. He's having weird flashbacks that don't quite tell you all the story. And we get a little subplot with um, Prince Zuko, whose character's name I forget. Is bat. Bat and then Lynn, I remember Lynn's name is They a, say hers a lot. She's the one whose name gets shouted the most. She is a little girl. I guess the actress is probably like eight, I would assume. Something like that. If it's dubbed with an adult woman's like screams most of the time. Her her dialogue is definitely the little girl, but every time it's a scream, it is aggressively obvious that it's not her scream. It sounds like a stock scream. <laughs> Regardless, uh, we find out Lynn is blind, and it doesn't come up much other than them telling you she's blind, which, yep. much like Full Metal Alchemist. But, so Kenshiro, after beating up some bandits, doing the thing, he just kind of shows up in Paradise Valley. Like, it's it's hilarious, because he's... He broke into Bat and Lynn's home to escape the Rad Rain, and he's just meditating there. And Bat's like, who are you? How did you get in here? And Kenshiro just walks over to Lynn, and it's like, you're blind? Let me do some weird kung fu hand motions on your head. By weird kung fu hand mo motions, I can only assume the script said... I don't know, do mystic Chinese stuff? Because he kind of just waves his hand and, and then, then poke, pokes her in the temples. <laughs> I will say uh, one one line that I found funny that was mumbled, and I don't know if my co-hosts even noticed it, uh, when Bat is like, what are you doing in here? Uh, Kenshiro's response is, breathing. <laughs> well, if you want to keep breathing, you better leave. <laughs> oh yeah, I remember that. I thought, it, it, like, shockingly decent one-liners pop up, like, maybe five times. Honestly, shockingly decent one-liners pop up what you would expect them to if this was a good movie. There, There's potential in this. It needs to be re-edited from the ground up, which is probably not worth I, the effort. I mean, but... honestly, that seems to be the problem, is the editing in this is just bad. Yeah. Yeah. Like, the script is... Not, it's an action movie. Yeah, the script is the script is good for the action movie it's trying to be. The acting is fine. There's but, nothing wrong with the, the costumes acting. are kind of cheap, but like but, it's, other, but like it's Fist of the North Star. They don't need to be expensive. Yeah, uh, honestly, a lot of the set design was pretty good. I mean, like they it, it kind of felt like they only had one or two sets, but they dressed them up pretty darn well. Yeah. Like this is not an unsalvageable project. Mm hmm. You just had to, you know, care about it. Yeah, yep. which is what was lost in the edit. So regardless, uh, 
Jesus Kenshiro cures this girl's blindness. And then just leaves. They don't explain how he can do that in the movie, so... It never comes up again, either. I just really like how there's, like, a shot-reverse shot of Lin's, like, blankly staring face, and Kenshiro's very serious focused face of doing magic and he just kind of looks constipated one of his eyes is sort of crossed (laughs) and it's just like that's the first thing you're gonna see when your psychosomatic blindness is restored because her eyes aren't damaged they they just refuse to see after she witnessed her parents murder at the hands of the cross men Psychosomatic. Oh my god, does that mean that they're actually siblings? Like, is that supposed to imply that they actually are siblings, despite the fact that they look nothing like each other? (laughs) I have no idea. All I do know is that after that, Bat just kind of follows Kenshiro around for a while. Uh, well, there there is a scene where the powers that be at uh, uh, Paradise Valley are like, Hey, the Southern Cross is coming, and there's one guy who wants to negotiate with them. And everyone else is like, that's stupid. They're murdering, raiding slavers. They're not going to talk to us. Are you insane? No, we should talk to them. So anyway, how many bombs can we make before they show up? (laughs) (laughs) That, again, pretty good scenes just randomly scattered throughout. If they were stitched together with any intentionality, I'd call it an okay movie. (laughs) Yeah. But um, regardless, Kenshiro has no interest in, like, staying by to defend the town from the crossmen, or the southern cross goons or whatever. Yeah. So he leaves... But unfortunately, the second he leaves, basically, they the crossmen do come and attack the town. <laughs> in an, in a very, very, very extended murder sequence of them just riding through the town, causing havoc, setting things on fire, setting people on fire, shooting people. And there's one particular atrocity that they keep coming back to. It's It's a woman being captured and, you know... It forcibly disrobed. It's one of those by a, where it's like by a, a huge like scrum of dudes. Strictly speaking, it doesn't really cross any lines. It's not that graphic. The but thing you, that makes it irritating to me personally is how freaking long the scene is. It just lingers on this. Like uh, they're raping and pillaging. They're raiders. That makes sense, and they don't do anything super distasteful. But, like, the fact that it's it, it just goes on for so long, it gets annoying at, at a point. Yeah. Like, we get and, it. They're evil. Move on. And then the two named cross—I I say named. Only one of them's really named. But the two, like, primary cross men that we care about, one I call Mr. Scales because he's got, like, weird dr- desiccated parts of his face that look like scales— and Jackal, the, like, main crossman goon, he's got, he's all disfigured and has a bunch of leather straps, like, holding his head together. They, they walk in on this scene, and Mr. Scales goes over and shoots the woman to death before, you know, they can do the thing to her. And Jackal says, it ain't easy being sleazy. <laughs> he has a bunch of weirdly good one-liners. <laughs> I don't know why he does that. I think it'd be better if it just, like, was all improvised. (laughs) (laughs) I wouldn't be surprised if it was. Oh, but yeah. So, they're kind of just going around interrogating, and then Lin makes the mistake of mentioning Kenshiro was there. Well, it does save her life, because she was going to go in the hydraulic guillotine. Well. (laughs) Oh my god. Save her life. 
The hydraulic guillotine scene is another one. Okay, this one lasted forever, but it was also absurd and kind of funny, so I was okay with this one lingering. Yeah, Lynn gets captured. Uh, she's refusing to, like, capitulate to their demands, so Jackal's like, put her in the guillotine. And, like, she's locked in there, and she's like, Kenshiro, we'll get, we'll get you back for this. And Jackal's like, Kenshiro, you say? The man with seven wounds? Yeah? Hmm. Let her live and find where he is. And, like, this is, like, the 45-minute mark where we get the flashback that should have been seen, too. <laughs> Which, really, to just summarize, is... So, Shin... This is partially the flashback at the beginning now. Shin killed... Kenshiro and theirs master, or Kenshiro's master, Kenshiro's who was also father, his Ryuken, who was also his father. Yeah, and then went away, and then Kenshiro went after him, and Kenshiro was also engaged to marry Julia, who Shin was also in love with, and then Shin came in his like with his goons, his M Bison level uniform. Um, <laughs> <laughs> ah. Kenshiro, I'm the better husband material for the lovely Julia. I'll fight you with one finger. Yeah, and he kicks Kenshiro's ass. And then he's like, Julia, you will say you love me. Never! And he starts stabbing Kenshiro in the torso with his one finger. Into the... Uh, Big Dipper pattern, that is Kenshiro's scars. And my man's just getting these violent, giant wounds pressed in him. And he's like, say you love me, Julia. No, never. I'm like, Julia, really? You're watching Kenshiro get just torn apart. And Kenshiro's like, ah! Like, he's acting as if this is excruciating. It is excruciating pain, surely, but like... It's, it's not it's like also he's very trying boring. to hide it or anything. Ju- Julia's response seems to be, no, I'll never love you. And it doesn't seem to change at all that Kenjiro's being tortured. Yeah. So uh, Kenjiro survives this incident. And it was during this battle that he did the, oh, my wobo, move on Jackal. And that's why Jackal is all disfigured and why he has the leather straps on his head. It's to keep his head from exploding from the pressure point attack. Anyway, uh, Bat was outside to get Kenshiro to come help them after they attacked, so the two of them sneak back in. It's important to note that um, Lin's screams of terror somehow psychically resonate with Kenshiro, and that's part of the reason why he goes back. I like to think that he was actually just outside of town, and it's just <laughs> echoey. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that makes sense. Makes more sense than most of the rest of the movie. Yeah, so they sneak back in. Uh, there's some really cool fight scenes. Um, Bat takes a knife to some guy and then gets stabbed in the gut. <laughs> oh, no, no. What happens is, okay, so there, there's a fight scene in the town. Uh, or actually, no, there isn't really a fight scene in the town. This is where we're starting to get a little bit of FMA flashbacks where it's like, oh, God, can something happen, please? Because there's a bunch of exposition we can't hear at this point. It's filling in all the plot, like all the plot uh, backfill, but then they get to like the main compound and there's a fight scene where the prisoners are being held. And during that, uh, we get a hilarious big guy with a chain mace uh, uh, menacing... Um, 
uh, Lynn. Uh, and then whilst that's happening, um, Bat is fighting Jackal. Bat is fighting Jackal. And one of the other really great one-liners where all of us laughed hysterically, uh, Jackal, like they're fighting and Bat's actually putting up a pretty good fight. You know, he, he's honestly a pretty darn endearing character, uh, well done character. And all of a sudden Jackal pulls out a switchblade, stabs him. Look out, he's got a knife. Removes <laughs> the knife. And it's like, that's actually good. You don't, you don't get to have a good one-liner like that. <laughs> what was that? <laughs> Bat is able to survive long enough to allow Kenshiro to win. Win uh, against the mini-boss. Win against the mini-boss. Uh, Mr. Scales was actually kind of going on like a redemption arc of like uh, like he didn't want to torture Lin. He didn't want any of this to happen. In particular, he, the thing that seemed to set him off was that he didn't want to, he didn't want to menace the child. He didn't want to, like, he didn't have a problem with kidnapping her. He didn't have a problem with like a lot of the, like, killing and torture, but it's like he seemed to have a line that he didn't want to cross, and he was starting to realize, huh, I think we're the baddies, because everybody seems to be crossing lines I didn't think we were supposed to cross. Yeah, um, and he, like, even surrenders to Kenshiro, and Ken is like, yeah, okay, you, you surrendered, we're done here. And then, like, Jackal's gonna shoot Kenshiro, Bat tackles him, knocks the gun aside, and Scales gets shot and dies. He just gets shot and dies on the ceremony. Like I was gonna compliment this movie on, like this is a, this is an '80s action movie, and it's having a complex character is pretty impressive. Having a complex character, but moreover, it's a character who is physically ugly, who is being treated with empathy and depth. And I'm like, oh, that's cool. That's something different. Like, they're actually putting a little bit of effort. Oh, no, he's dead. He just died unceremoniously. Never mind. <laughs> and then we have a whole long sequence of bat dying. And that's when we learn that he and Lynn are his siblings. Yeah, brother. <laughs> brother, <What>? no. <laughs> That is one of the better done characters overall. Like even his even his extended death scene is it's melodramatic, but it's it's the it's right tone bad. for it's the right tone for the cheesy action movie this is. So that was that was good. And then we get honestly probably the best scene in the movie after that, because that's when Kenshiro goes to like the the, the final level uh and, and goes through an army of goons, and it's just a good extended single take fight scene. Didn't before this, didn't Lin... Oh, I forgot I'm about the Hatterack. I was about to say, yeah. <laughs> Lin is just sitting cross-legged before Kenshiro... Also, Kenshiro just lets Jackal go, by the way, which is really weird. It's like, tell Shin I'm coming. He's about to kill Jackal, and that's when, like, channeled through Lin... Uh, Ryuken's ghost, like, shows up and becomes the Kwisatz Haderach, as Jake keeps saying. But, like, and it's like, I did not give you this power for, vi for um, evil. You must use it for justice. But, like, the other weird and stupid thing is, it because of the dialogue, it's pretty clear it's Ryuken, but it's, like, like there's, like, a psychic projection of Lin cross-legged floating floating in the air, speaking as Ryuken, whilst Lin is over there looking at this happening. <laughs> it's really weird. 
I, again, it's probably the edit. There was probably shots spliced incorrectly that resulted in this stupidity. Oh, also, you could have just had Ryuken's spirit show up completely independent of everything else, and it would have been significantly so, clearer. A hundred percent, they did not get Ryuken's actor back for back this for, because mm -hmm. it, he he was more famous than the majority of this movie and only shows up in the opening scene. They do that nonsense to get like a big name actor in the first five minutes. To... Oh yeah, that was Malcolm McDowell. Yeah. That... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, and, and we actually uh, didn't talk about one of the flashbacks that was maybe the funniest one where Ryuken appears as a zombie <laughs> to Kenshiro. <laughs> Which was just weird because it's like like he's there in voiceover a couple of times, but he is only in that first scene. Mm -hmm. Oh, but uh, anyway, that, after that nonsense, the movie kind of becomes a standard action movie for a while, and it's honestly not half bad. Like, it's not great, but it's okay. They switch to a new set where they go to the Crossman headquarters or the the Southern Cross. Dojo, probably, I guess, is what it's implied to be. Yeah. It's weird. It's very 90s architecture. There's just levels everywhere and weird geometric... Yeah. Yeah. It looks really cool. But um, we have this extended uh, scene of Kenshiro beating up goons. Looks pretty good. It's a decent fight. Um, there have been a lot of scenes earlier in the movie where it seemed like they were cutting around bad choreography or the actors not being up to par with the choreography. And I was really concerned that the, that this martial arts movie was going to have no martial arts in it. But this extended scene was quite good. And I, I'm pretty sure it was the main actor doing most of the stunts because they had it on his face for most of the shots. They, they definitely didn't hire him for his acting. <laughs> <laughs> You're not wrong. Uh, but yeah, it's, it's some good fight scenes. Um, he's making his way through some goons. Um, meanwhile, Shin is told Jackal when he arrives back, mm, yes, Julia's in the dungeons. If she won't love me, you can kill her. Does he say that? I he's, thought he said don't... Keep whatever, her safe. He, he, he said keep her safe and whatever happens, she must not know that Kenshiro lives. I oh no, Kenshiro can't know she uh, lives. I thought, no, she can't know Kenshiro lives. And I think right. Jackal took that to mean it's okay to kill her. Rape, because It's okay to rape her, at least. Because well, that's what he tries to do. Yeah, they, they spend a long time. To, so it's they kind of intercut it. It's this weird, she escapes, but not really. I, she doesn't escape the like weird machinery dungeon that he was keeping her in. It, it, it turns into an extended chase scene that's... Honestly, not a terrible parallel with Kenshiro's fight. Mm -hmm. it, it's one of those ones where if I gave a crap about literally any of these characters, I'd probably be impressed by this. Because there's, there's a couple places where the ebb and flow of the physical martial arts battle uh, is um, a good parallel to the, um, uh, the battle of, uh, the sort of more cerebral battle of the cat and mouse chase. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it's not... I mean, it's not great, but it's not bad. I, I liked the first half of it better than how he's got her pinned to the ground. For a really long time. A really long time. time, considering this is interspersed with, again, a fight scene. So we can roughly estimate he's doing this for, like, 15 minutes. It's, yeah. It, uh, again, it's one of those ones where it's like... The idea here is off-putting. The fact that it lingers for so long is honestly more of the problem that, that, That's uh, that, more that they went there. Jackal kind of just uh, decides he's killing Julia. <laughs> for yeah. some reason. Yeah, no, I, like, this comes almost out of nowhere. 
But we have the uh, fight scene with Shin and Kenshiro. It's actually a pretty decent fight. You can probably find the clip on YouTube. But it's like Kenshiro's kicking his ass. He's kicking his ass. Mm -hmm. And then Shin's just like, Julia's dead. And Ken's like, no! And so his ass is getting kicked and his ass is getting kicked. And we didn't mention it before, but Shin has this like ultimate like quivering palm move where With he, really bad special effects. Yeah, his hand glows and he like oh, those says, are cutting edge for the time. <laughs> Does my hand smell weird to you? And then like it cuts open your like biceps and makes your chest explode. And like Kenshiro is all covered in blood. He does this to a goon earlier to establish the finishing move and also how evil he is. He, yeah, he, he does the I, I'm evil so I kill one of my minions bit. Uh, so he does this move to Kenshiro. And another thing we have kind of skimmed over is that Julia has what we call the magic beans, but they're really, like, seeds from, I guess, before the apocalypse, because they're supposed to be able to, like, bring plants or something. I don't know. Yeah, Kenshiro entrusted them to her. It's it's very much the case where it's not explained. Because this is a very well-trodden type of movie, you can presume that it's the, you know, it's the Wally boot, basically, is what it is. Yeah, um, and one of the seeds in an earlier scuffle between Julia and Shin fell into a crack in the floor they and began focus to focus on that crack so much. I can only presume they're on the top floor, so I don't know what soil it's sprouting into, but it's sprouting all right. Yeah, <laughs> and that gives Kenshiro his second wind, and uh, he's able to uh, turn the tables and finally defeat uh, Shin, and then. A weird thing happens at the end where um, uh, Kenshiro's like, uh, uh, where are you lying? Is Julia alive? And Shin, who's sitting here like, he's about to kill me regardless of my answer. And if I lie, he's just going to be able to find her and know that she's fine. Because under my orders, he doesn't know about Jackal trying to kill her. Yeah. Under my orders, she should be safe and sound. He lies and says she is dead anyway. Like, she, he's going to find out in like... 45 seconds! Spite. Why did you do that? Spite. You, that's why. Spite. Okay, so we cut back to Julia, who has been getting attacked by... Jackal for Jack a while now, yeah. Yeah, and he does something where he threatens her in such a way that actually gives her the ability to get out, grab the strand of his leather strapped to his thing... And it gets trapped in a, in a rotating gear. gear. It's so funny because the way it works is like they show they, they show shots emphasizing the dangling strap, and you're like, oh, she's gonna pull the thing off and it's gonna make his head explode. And it starts doing that, and then she grabs it and puts it into a gear, and it's like, okay, this is going in a completely different direction than we were expecting. I, I was expecting this was going to be, like, the payoff for the entire movie, is that his head gets crushed by a gear. Like, they had built that special effect up. Because that's, like, how these movies work. They have one really good special effect, and they build everything around that. Yeah. But no, the gear just also pulls the leather bands off. And then we do get the full head exploding effect now. Yeah. Which is cool. Which, yeah, no, it's not bad. It's, it's given its time period and budget, it's exactly what you expect. But you know what? That's, you know, Better exactly. That's what you should be expecting from a movie like this. That's what you pop this movie in for. Mm-hmm. Yep. 
And so with both bad guys defeated, Kenshiro goes to leave the main... Final boss arena. The final boss arena. And it's like, oh no, all the mooks he knocked out but didn't kill earlier are now waiting for him on the stairs, ready for battle. Can our uh, beleaguered hero win the day? And then they all fall to their knees and he's like, what? And he looks over his shoulder and there, coming out of the shadows, Julia, alive! How did the goon see her around that corner in the pitch black shadows? She is not Batman. Magic. <laughs> it's, a, it's a stupid question to ask. It's one of these movies, and that's why it's the dramatic shot, but I can't help but point it out. So with all the goons kneeling on the stairs like knights sworn to a king... Because uh, apparently she's a princess. This has been mentioned in passing a few times. It does not come up at any point. Julia and Kenshiro hug. It pans to a bust of, I can only assume Ryu can, and roll credits. <laughs> I was very, very, very confused at the end of this. <laughs> Fist of the North Star, 1995. <laughs> so, Yay! I feel like this is one where we can actually ask the seminal question, favorite character and favorite fight. Um, that, I guess, for being a character. No, no, I, I take it back. My favorite character is Mr. Scales. I think he actually has a name. I don't know what it is. But he was the most complex and interesting character in this entire show, and he deserved better. So he was my favorite character. Uh, as for favorite fight, um, Kenshiro versus the goon rush at the start of the final boss battle. It was a it was a well choreographed uh, string of pretty good stunts and uh, not too many cuts. Very good uh, martial arts sequence. <laughs> Matt, how about you? Okay, um, favorite character. I'm gonna go with Shin. Because that man chews the scenery every time he's on screen. He is an amazing villain. Uh, I wish he didn't look so much like the guy playing Kenshiro. Because I I thought he was supposed to be like an evil clone of him for a second. <laughs> until they were in the same scene later. And I'm like, okay, no, they do look different. Well, there there's a pretty hilarious extreme close-up in the middle of the movie of him that also... Mm -hmm. It's like, okay, wait, no, they are different. That was a really hilarious extreme close-up, but anyway. Mm -hmm. uh, and then favorite fight... Uh, I gotta go with the first fight with Kenshiro versus the Mooks, because that set me up for how stupid the choreography looked for the You Are Already Dead. I expected this movie to only have him do that continuously and have it be incredibly dumb the entire way through. So the broken promise it gave me that this would be a just terrible action movie was, uh, I loved it. <laughs> <laughs> how about you, Jay? Um, I'm going to be honest here, since I was the one who had the least knowledge of what the heck was going on, I have to say the only one I reached, the only one I actually gravitated towards was Prince Zuko. <laughs> <laughs> because, yeah. yeah. Um, it was not from lack of trying, though. Um, I, I generally do follow action movies pretty well. I could not grasp the plot of this to save my life, honestly. Um, therefore, I, I can't even say I have a favorite fight. It was very confusing. I had to get my co-host to kind of deconstruct what I just watched. <laughs> <laughs> all right, and Jacob. Um, in all honesty, everything that Sam said is, is pretty much my opinions there. Uh, my immediate pick for favorite character would be Bat, if not for uh, the scaly-faced dude actually having an arc that gets unceremoniously aborted for no reason 
and um, uh, the uh, best fight, in my opinion, was the extended fight against the Mooks uh, right before the final battle. Um, it just had the best choreography in it. A lot of the other fight, like the the final fight, um, had uh, like a bunch of gimmicks to it. I felt, um, whereas the fight against the Mooks right before that was just. I mean, it was Hollywood martial arts, but it was just plain martial arts all the way through, and it was uh, competently executed. All right, and uh, thank you, everybody, once again for tuning in to the Overmanga Cast. As always, you can find us on all of your social medias, where we are at Overmanga Cast. Please give us a follow so that uh, you can find out what horrors await us next time in No Read November. Send help. Uh, yeah, we appreciate reviews in any and all form, and we need them because, as always, this is an entire month for you. It's one extended weekend of torture for us. Uh, <laughs> like, comment, and subscribe on YouTube. We need the engagement. It's the only way we survive these. Uh, we also have OverMangaCast.com where you can also comment. Those, uh, the YouTube's on a two-week delay, but OverMangaCast is all of our newest stuff. So, you people on YouTube, I hope you're having a fun middle of December with a good old Christmas season. As <laughs> well, I guess, no, this is coming out second, so... Third? Second? Oh god, I can't remember. <laughs> Space has warped and time is bendable, much like both of the movies that we just watched. Indeed. And make sure to tune in next week where we are going to be continuing this panoply of pain with... Hey guys, it's Editing Sam, your favorite fourth dimensional fifth co-host of the show. Um, November has five Thursdays in it, and we watched four movies, so we're reading Scott Pilgrim, volumes one and two. Read that if you're keeping up with the show. And, uh, yeah, we'll see you next Thursday. Good night, everybody. Good night. Good night. Now, personally, I want to know how we've had a movie that was way too long and nothing but exposition, where I didn't care about anything, what was happening, and now we have a movie that was too short and had literally zero exposition, and I still didn't care about anything that was happening. All it does is prove that, you know, movies are art. Well, some movies are. <laughs> Not the ones we watch. Caught! <laughs>